Every year in the church calendar, the Sunday after Pentecost is Trinity Sunday. It is the only Sunday of the church year that celebrates not a narrative or an event or a person, but rather a doctrine of the Christian church. And often, when it's Trinity Sunday, the common lectionary will give us this text from Matthew 28 as our gospel lesson because it is one of the few places in the New Testament where the three persons of the Trinity are named like we name them even today, 2,000 years later, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So listen to the conclusion of Matthew's gospel. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go therefore into all nations, making disciples and baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. Thanks be to God for God's holy gospel. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So that passage from the conclusion of Matthew's Gospel I read just a moment ago is a beloved and integral text from the Gospels. It's often called the Great Commission. We read it every time we celebrate the sacrament of baptism in this place because it is the reason we celebrate baptism and have been for 2,000 years. And so I want to talk to you about the four alls in the Great Commission. You might notice that this brief passage of five verses is crowded with the quantitative adjective all. Richard Beaton from Fuller Theological Seminary taught me this. All authority, all nations, all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. So, the first, all authority. It's a scary and challenging time, isn't it? Otis Moss from Trinity UCC in Chicago talks about two pandemics, COVID-19 and 1619. In 1619, the first African slaves were brought to this continent near Jamestown, Virginia. Ironically, there were 19 of them. African slaves beat the English pilgrims to this continent, and we've been sick for 400 years. COVID-19 and 1619 are both powerful, stubborn viruses. Once the former gets into your bloodstream, it's hard to get out. And once the other creeps into the lungs of the national culture, you can't get it out. The morbidity rate is high in both cases people die. There was a wonderful article in the science section of the New York Times on Tuesday. Alan Burdick crafted a textbook example of a lively, lucid, elegant piece of science writing. And he pointed out that viruses are terrifying in their rudimentary simplicity. They cannot move, grow, persist, or perpetuate. A virus, nothing more than a packet of information, needs a host. We often call this battle with the virus a war, but it's not a war because the virus has no agency. It's not a monster, it's a machine. 
It's nothing more than a tiny microscopic photocopying machine. It's a Xerox machine. All it does is make copies of itself. And yet this tiny wisp of data has grounded half the passenger airplanes in the world, doubled the stock price of Zoom, infiltrated our language, social distancing, immunocompromised, and our dreams. It has postponed sports, political conventions, and the premieres of the next Spider-Man, Black Widow, Wonder Woman, and James Bond movies. Wild boars roam the streets of Barcelona. One microbiologist said, this is a pretty efficient pathogen. It's very, very good at what it does. You almost want to admire its shapely simplicity. And when you put COVID-19 together with 1619, it seems as if our world is out of control. It doesn't seem as if anyone's in charge. It doesn't seem as if God is charged. It seems as if God is gone. But this text tells us that God is not gone. This is still God's stunning masterpiece. And maybe there's something to learn, even in the harrowing, perfect efficiency of the coronavirus. Over immeasurable eons, God crafted, shrewdly crafted a cosmic panoply of exquisite diversity using the single chisel of natural selection, from the tiniest virus to the greatest blue whale. God is not gone, and Jesus is Lord. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, says Matthew. Abraham Kuyper, the great Dutch theologian and prime minister of the Netherlands around the turn of the 20th century, said, there is not one single inch in all of creation over which Jesus does not cry, mine. Mine, he says, like those seagulls from Finding Nemo. Through Christ our Lord, God is working God's purpose out as year succeeds to year. So all authority, also all nations, all peoples, go therefore into all nations, teaching them to observe what I've commanded you and baptizing them. Make disciples? Seriously, Jesus? Who do you think you're talking to? St. Paul? Billy Graham? Joel Osteen, you want me to evangelize? Well, yes, he does. He would love it if you would share your faith with those you know. But if that's too difficult, let's start with something easier, shall we? Go, therefore, into all nations and make neighbors. Go, therefore, into all peoples and make friends. All ethnicities, all languages, all shades of complexion from Scandinavian alabaster to African mahogany. If you can't make disciples, at least make neighbors, make friends, all peoples. Be no respecter of persons without a trace of partiality. We name white privilege for what it is. Know that George Floyd and Amy Cooper and Ahmaud Avery and Breonna Taylor are just a few of the casualties of this sweeping infection. Confess that this contagion props up the pale and persecutes the dark for no other reason than the amount of sunlight in their places of origin a million years ago. And by the way, black got here first, right? White didn't show up until our distant ancestors finally made their way all the way to Norway. 
And remember, black people are not the only victims of white privilege. It's making white people sick too. Amy Cooper lost her job and her dog. Derek Chauvin's wife divorced him. Wouldn't you? We shrink our lives and our minds when we sequester into pinched private pygmy precincts. And you know what was so disturbing about that almost nine-minute video? Those four cops knew they were on camera, and they did not flinch. That didn't bother them. Not for one instant did they fear the consequences. It was as if they were saying, this is the way we do things in Minneapolis. This is standard operating procedure. My colleagues will back me up. The app operated in this contaminated atmosphere of an unfair, unequal system from subcognitive, unexamined assumptions. And so what are you going to do to stop the spread? Here's a suggestion. If you don't know any black people, try something a little easier. Approach somebody that's different from you. Maybe somebody you don't trust. Maybe it's just a Democrat. Go have coffee with a Democrat, heaven forfend. Maybe it's your brother-in-law. Call him up and make an overture. Maybe you saw this story floating around the internet about Jack Ray Hill and Doug Parker. John Hales sent it to me. Thank you, John. Doug Parker was on a Southwest Airlines flight from Dallas to Panama City, Florida. As you might guess, the flight was not crowded and Doug had row 25 all to himself. And he settled in to read the book he was working on, White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Race. This is one of the books Joe Forrest recommended us to, to read during this fraught time. Just then, the flight attendant, Jack, Jack Ray Hill, sat down in the seat next to Doug. Doug Parker is white, by the way, and Jack Ray Hill is black. Doug thought she'd sat down with him because she'd recognized him. But she hadn't recognized him. She wanted to talk about the book he was reading. Later, Doug was a little embarrassed about his slightly conceited confidence in his own recognizability. She said, I've been meaning to read that book. Is it any good? And Doug said to Jack Ray, it's very good. I'm only halfway through, but it's very, very important. But ma'am, this book is not for you. This book is for people like me. We're the ones who need to learn something. And when she heard that, Jack Ray burst into tears. She'd been overwhelmed by George Floyd's death and all the riots and everything that was happening. So her feelings were a little raw anyway, but she wept because she'd heard from a distinguished white man something that she needed to hear. They talked for 10 minutes and they ended their conversation with a mutually masked embrace. When the flight landed in Florida and Doug exited the plane. He introduced himself to Jack Cray. He said, my name is Doug Parker. I'm the CEO of American Airlines. And her face lit up and she said, my mother works for American Airlines as a flight attendant out of Reagan International. Afterward, Doug wrote beautiful notes to Jack Cray and her mother. And to Jack Cray's mother, Doug wrote, how did we let this spectacular woman escape to Southwest Airlines? 
It's not a life-changing event. It's not earth-shattering. Just a brief, quiet convergence of two different people with similar hopes and dreams. If you can't make disciples of all the peoples, at least make neighbors, make friends. So all authority, all nations, all that I have commanded you. Because when we stray from Jesus, we get lost, right? We get afraid, we get confused. We, we become a menace to our village. Morally, we must stay proximate to his will, his way, his being, and his life. This is not what you do with a Bible. You don't brandish it, you read it. This is what you do with a Bible. It doesn't do any good if you leave it closed. You read it, you take notes, you learn from it, you memorize it. You live your life based on his unique existence as far as possible. You align your life and your habits and your virtues and your courtesies and your decencies with his. Because when you don't, your life jumps the tracks and the runaway train of your prejudice endangers your village. Like him, you are no respecter of persons. Like him, you li live your life without a trace of partiality. Like him, you treat all people exactly the same. The rich and the poor, you don't care. You don't even know. The rich and the poor, the weak and the strong, the unknown and the Hollywood celebrity, the CEO and the janitor, black and white, they're all the same to you. Because that's the way he lived his life. That's what he taught us. All authority, all nations, all that he taught, always, all the time. Lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. Because Jesus has just given his friends an impossible task. And he knows that they will fail without him. He knows that they will despair without him. So he stays close. Both pandemics, COVID-19 and 1619, both pandemics drive us apart. There is nothing better than social distancing than naked racism. They've conspired to scatter us into our private seclusions. And you know, some people are still enduring. What is this, the 76th day of our quarantine? Some people are still enduring this all alone. For both reasons, there is so much loneliness around us, and maybe some of it is within us. And so Jesus promises to stay close. Lo, I am with you always, even till and beyond the end of time. And so long after I am gone, long after my great-great-grandchildren are gone too, Long after America and Russia and China and all the artificial boundary lines and foreboding border walls vanish from the earth. When the Grand Canyon is once again covered under an inland sea, when mighty Everest itself has been worn down by countless eons of time to the flat plain below and some other 30,000 foot peak has taken its place, when the sun's fires flare out to torch the earth, 
and it is no more. We will be safe in his care beyond the end of time. Even the long loves you have personally lost to death or dementia, even the COVID-19 victims who died alone, hooked up to a ventilator in the intensive care unit, now flourish in the safekeeping of Christ, the King of all space and time, even beyond the end of it all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.